Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. My podcasts often deal with distressing situations which are not suitable for children and some adults, for that matter. Some of what I discuss may trigger uncomfortable emotions. If that does occur, please reach out to Lifeline Beyond Blue or any other support service or person you feel comfortable with. Please keep in mind that there's always two sides, sometimes more, to every story. My guests provide their recollection of an event or incident, sharing their thoughts and their emotions, but it's theirs. Not everybody will agree with them. I never want to tell any guest what to say or what not to say, so there will always be others that see it differently and I understand that. Hello, I'm Narelle Fraser. I was a cop with Victoria Police for 27 years, 15 of those as a detective, having dealt with all types of crime, from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. I witnessed the effect crime has on those involved and became one of those victims myself in 2012 when I was diagnosed with PTSD. However, out of adversity comes other opportunities like this, my own podcast. I'm still pinching myself. Thanks for listening and coming with me as we explore the human side and impact of crime. So Margaret told us last week about the knock on her door in 2004 by two police at 7am one morning and being told her son had been killed in a motor vehicle accident. He was completely innocent, however the driver wasn't. The driver should never have been on the road. He was drunk, he was drugged, unlicensed and speeding in an unroadworthy car and he had a roadside alcohol test reading of 0.266 and had appeared in front of a magistrate three times previously for driving offences. Today we talk with Marg about her involvement in the system as a grieving family member of the victim of a road fatality. To me, the problems with the system don't seem to be insurmountable. You know, like having a dedicated person to liaise with, with any questions or queries or explanations for that matter as to what is required, when and why. That's not too hard, is it? The same person to talk to rather than a different one each time and having to go over it all again. Marg referred to going through the judicial system as a nightmare. That shouldn't be how people in Mark's position feel, and I can only hope it's improved since her son Daniel was killed. Marg had the same warnings with the court process as she did with Daniel's autopsy. Remember uh, when at Daniel's autopsy, the gangland killings may, may put his autopsy back? Well, she was told the same thing about the court process, that it could take up to three years before it was heard due to the gangland killings. That is just unacceptable. Where is the justice in that? She tells a chilling story of waiting for Daniel's court case and realising that she was sitting next to the man who had killed her son. Marg proves how very strong she is in so many ways and just because something has always been done this way doesn't mean that Marg will do it that way. People like Marg do change processes and systems because they're not prepared to be lectured by those who have always done it this way. It will never change without people like Marg. Victims of crime, they seem to be forgotten in many ways, but Marg was never, ever going to let Daniel and her family be forgotten or not heard. 
Mark's got many opinions about the justice system and where it's failing. And unfortunately, she's got the justification for feeling that way. Her family were never told when the man who killed Daniel was released from jail on day release or when he was finally released. Uh, Mark and her family found out two weeks after he was released. And she also explains where he could have got 20 years in his sentencing, but he got eight with a minimum of six, even though he was a repeat offender. Anyway, so look, here's part two of my interview with Margaret. Thank you. And so you have said that there's a lot of things that could be improved in that in those initial days, yep. let's say. Yep. Is is there other you've spoken to Libby Murphy, yes. you've spoken to Glenn Weir, yes. and that you know that's great. Was there any other support services that or support that you felt you needed that you didn't get? Like, were people telling you enough about what had happened? Did you want um, answers to certain questions about what happened to Daniel, like yep. the intricacies, or were you not? You just didn't want to know that. I wanted to know everything, um, mm. and I wanted to be involved in everything. Just because Daniel's not standing there doesn't mean to say that he shouldn't be viewed as a, a real person and this is what's happened to him. So, And I wanted to make sure that that was going to be in place all the time. So even though, um, to go back to the start of your question, um, we were guided by our informant um, and we really appreciated the personal face-to-face visits rather than just a voice over the phone and that made a huge difference to my husband. Um, What would have been good was I'm still trying to see if if it's happened, but I've been meeting over a long period of time with victim support agency staff. Um, Now there is a caseworker um, attached to a family so that you sort of hopefully would get the same person rather than someone different and go through it all over again. Yeah. That happened a lot to us. Um, The one person, or as long as possible, I guess, in their work frame, but there's no longitudinal view. I understand chunking up information because you can't take it all in at once. However, there's still there's still a need for some sort of scope or some sort of structure that could could be understood. So for example, why is it that this man is not in jail straight up? Why is he still out there driving around? He could do it again. That was really hard to accept and understand. I bet it was. But when we, it was explained to us in a way that if the police had charged him just on what they knew at that time, they wouldn't have had a strong enough case to continue on to court. So they needed more time and they needed to be able to investigate and do as much as possible to, to put together a brief that would stand on its own through the system. So once that was said and understood, I thought, okay, fair enough, I understand that. But up until then, had I not been asking those questions, we wouldn't have known about that. Um the whole progression of the investigation um, leading into the judicial system was a nightmare, to, to say the least. Um, can I keep going with that? 
Oh, absolutely. I was just, yes, because that was where I was heading to next. Yeah. But I suppose just before we go on to that, I suppose there are people like yourself, Margaret, who want to know everything. Mm. And, I've, and I think what the, the legal profession have to keep in mind is that, and, and I'm sure they do, but they need to do more on it. And I know you're going to speak about this in a minute, mm. but everyone is different. Yep. There are some that are not going to know a thing, want to know anything. Yes because it's just too hard or whatever. Yes. There's others that want to know everything that happened and they've got to be able to um, ebb and flow with what mm. the person wants. And the only way, what you're saying, and it's true, the only way that people are going to know that is if you do have a, a, a focal point, somebody that you can talk to, somebody that you mm. can ring and ask all these questions yes. so that um, you have... Um, not a pivot point, I can't think of the word, but, yes, I think they've got to keep in mind that people, There's. I think I would want to know. I mean, I've never been in that position, but, yes, I understand. So, yes, let's get on to the court process because that's. it does sound like a nightmare. So take us through that. Um, well, yet again, we were informed that if there were the gangland situation was also clogging up the court system and that it might take three years for this case to hit the the judge, so to speak. Um, I was also, I didn't know what a committal hearing was and that was just mentioned that we will be having committal hearings leading up to either a trial or a hearing a sentencing hearing. Through further discussion, I found out that if he pleaded guilty, we wouldn't have a trial. It would go to a sentencing hearing. But the committals were necessary to identify the evidence that's available through witnesses and others to be able to take it to that next level. So magistrate's court is the committal area. I mean, I know you know what that is all about. Yeah, but the others, that, but a lot People of the don't. listeners don't. So, I, yeah. yeah, they appreciate you explaining no. it. Keep going. So then the next step is the county court. So I'm going to go back to the magistrate's court and the police said to me, look, you don't need to go to all of them. Sometimes they're cancelled or whatever. And I said, that's fine. Thank you for thinking of me, but I want to be there for everything. I bet you do. So yeah. off we went to the first one, not knowing what to expect, and we walked into a huge open foyer, um, people everywhere. It's a very, very busy place. And um, we were just told to um, wait until we were called. And um, so I sat down. And I had no idea that I was sitting next to him <gasps> because we didn't know him. We didn't know what he looked like or anything like that. And I only realised because his lawyer was sitting next to him and they were talking about, um, oh, no, you'll be able to still do your course. Don't worry about that. You'll be able to do the things you want to do. This is not going to happen. Um We'll stretch it out anyway as long as we can so you can finish your last unit of, of study, blah, blah, blah. And they, he, I think he mentioned where he was from and that's what triggered me. I stood up instantly and wanted to obviously move away somewhere else and I think the lawyer picked up that it was me. And he instantly went to the security people and had this perpetrator and himself escorted into a safe room. <gasps> yeah. No. Yeah. So I'm thinking, oh, isn't that a bit backwards? <laughs> wouldn't you Absolutely. Think, wouldn't you think the victims would... Um, be offered a safe room so 
yes. You know, I mean, anything can happen, especially in this climate of behaviour of people. But um, I was just absolutely dumbfounded. Words Words fail me, Margaret. Okay, so they've gone into their safe room. Uh, how offensive, but anyway, they have. Uh, so what happens then, Marg? Well, then we were actually called in. So very small rooms they are too. We were surprised, but we were in there. Um, obviously he was too, and it was just a matter of, well, I think we were only in there for about 10 minutes just to tick off certain witnesses, information, this and that, and that he was actually present, blah, blah, and, okay, that was it, off you go. And that was like, well, gee, okay. So we left, went home. Um, There was another one, another committal a matter of weeks later um, just to check on the police prosecutor's information um, against what the defence agreed or disagreed with. And then it, it was we went home. We didn't have any of that hassle the second time, but we weren't offered any safe room either. Um, then we were informed, no, sorry, I'll go back again. After the second committal, we were out back out in the foyer and there was a... Um, a group of people speaking together. One was our police informant, the defence lawyer, um, not the perpetrator. I think his sister. Um, and yeah, it just sort of gathered and it's a bit of a hum. And I walked over to find out what was happening and I heard the defence lawyer say, Oh, well, it doesn't really matter if we have to wait another six months because, you know, that that's fine with us. And I stepped forward and said, well, it's not fine with us. Just because Daniel's not standing here doesn't mean to say you cannot um, treat this situation as you should, basically. And no, we're not waiting six months. And I don't really feel that it's fair for you to say so without checking with us anyway. Good. So that went down like a lead balloon. But um, I bet it did too. I did, but I was glad I could. Go, Margaret. Glad I could say it. And I thought, don't dismiss people because they're not physically present, you know. Um, So true. Yeah, so the lioness came out, you know, just... We, um... I love it, Margaret. <laughs> and, and, you know, you're right, they wouldn't be used to that, that, that somebody has actually uh, got an opinion and challenge, challenging them. Yes. And I think it should be done more within reason yes. and you weren't rude. No. You were just saying, yep. no, I'm not prepared to wait six months. No. But if you wouldn't have said that, I'm sure that the police prosecutor and uh, the OPP, whoever yep. it be, they'd all say, They'd all do have their little chin wag yeah. about, well, I, we can't have it for this long because of blah, blah, blah. But you don't get, I'm sorry, but you don't get a, a say. We don't get and a it's wrong on anything, no. nothing. No. And that's made quite clear at the start, really, that we have no um, opportunity to appeal in any way, shape, or form at any stage. We just, we can attend and we say nothing. So we're a presence and that's it. So um, how did that make you feel? Oh, oh my goodness. I, I was absolutely gutted, um, total disbelief again that we are sort of walked over yet again and that Daniel doesn't matter, um, that we don't matter. Um, just, oh, I don't know, people shouldn't be treated like that in anything, really. Anyway, just we had no voice, you know, no identity, nothing. So from from all of that, we um, had to wait for a letter 
um, to say when the hearing would be called because he did plead guilty. Um, all the communication that we were getting in the mail was all about him, it was all about his rights all the time. Who, who cares? Who wants to know that? We didn't need to know that. Just get on with it. I don't care what happens to him, really. Um, so that was always front and centre of everything. We were always reminded of his rights and how he should be treated and la, 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 la. But there was never any comparison to what we as Daniel's family and secondary victims are um, how are we seen? How are we supported? What is there for us? And the answer at the end of the day was nothing, nothing. Anyway, off we go to the um, the sentencing hearing. Um, we're waiting outside the county court to go in and we were told that it had been put on hold because the judge wasn't ready yet because they normally start at 10 o'clock. However, there are a lot of Daniel's friends that came to support us as well. They wanted to know everything too, to the committal, well, to the committals and definitely to this um, sentencing hearing in the county court. One of his friends um, was a lawyer and she's very, very high up now in her field of work. But at the time, she was able to tell us what the language meant. It's a totally different language altogether. They might as well have spoken Chinese because, and that I found also in the written um, information sent, it's all in legal terms, which means mm, nothing yep. to us. We it was more confusing to try and work out just what is this telling us. Yeah, what they were saying. Yeah, and yeah. in the court as well. So we were lucky that Katie was there and she could break it down for us, as did our police informant, so that we could understand. Then when there was a break, we could go out into the corridor area and talk through a little bit more. The um, the, the hold-up of getting into the hearing worked in our favour because the judge that we could have had had no background in road trauma at all. And that's something else I need to talk about later. But there was a change in judges and we got someone who had experience and a background in road trauma and in um, sentencing related to the the Road Act and so on. Okay, yeah. So that, that was really good. Um, we had a fabulous QC. He was just amazing, the best, best ever. Told us, guided us. Yeah. 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 Everything. Yeah. So that was very, very good. That That helped a lot as well. It's very emotional time, you know. Um, so when we got to the sentencing, we had to go back two weeks later for the sentence to be passed down. And it's difficult to understand that there's a mandatory sentencing for um, culpable driving causing death, which is 20 years, and it is in the top box of the breakdown or the hierarchy or the um, grid, so to speak. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. ...of crime matched to their sentencing. So prior to going through this court system, I was very in tune with the news and other cases to try and sort of get a feel on what we might end up having to cope with. And mm-hmm. some of the sentencing would be two years that had gone through prior to Daniel's case. So I was really not sure how we'd go. But anyway... He was sentenced to eight years with six to serve and the judge was good enough to break it down. He said we have to start at 20 years. He has um, points off for pleading guilty. Yes. He has points off for it because he had a disadvantaged childhood. He has points off. Here we go. Here we go. Let's get the violins out. Points off because um, he was homeless and he's, you know, he's addicted. And down it went to eight years. And this is is how the, the sentencing and the act are working. So no matter how hard police work, you get to the courts and it's, virtually blown out of the water. Um, Repeat offenders are not acknowledged as such either. Well, he wasn't. Um, Yeah, so that was the outcome really. And um, Margaret, Margaret, what, what, and I'm sure the same would be with uh, our listeners, what really, uh, as I said, here we go again. Yep. I get sick to death of that excuse in a court yep. because I know so many people that have had a disadvantaged oh, background yes. and they have made, uh, you know, a, a positive a contribution to our society. Yes, they've been disadvantaged, but because, and look, the fact that uh, he had, was disadvantaged, uh, he was homeless or whatever, I'm sorry, but it just wears very, very thin after a while and you're right. Yep. The police, we mm. get them to court and then it is so demoralising when you do so much work and it's hard It's hard for us to um, accept, let alone... Mm. Yes. The family of somebody that has been killed by this man. That's right. And, and you know, the, the police 
um, informant and other support police, then you can see in their face what we're feeling. You can see it. And they're looking at us as well, thinking, well, I can't do anything. I can't, I can't do any more. That's it. Um, yeah. That feeling of uselessness and hopeless, hopelessness. Hopeless. It's awful. Yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah. is. So mm-hmm. I, um, I wonder sometimes whether that's why culpable driving causing death is not going through the system anymore. It's too hard to, to prove culpability. Um, mm-hmm. Everything's being downgraded to dangerous driving, which, of course, then the sentence is minimal. If any, but then, but then, dangerous driving could be driving through a pedestrian crossing, crossing, and I don't know, yeah. nearly hitting a dog yeah. or something, yeah. you know, like, and then, and then you get the extreme, like Daniel. No, I'm sorry, there's something very wrong. It's yeah, there is a lot very wrong there for sure. Mm. Yep. Mm. Um, so, Margaret, could, can we just go back one minute? Yeah. How did you feel when you saw him? Oh, oh, gosh. Oh, I think I just froze. Um, and I didn't want to look did, at him. Did you, hit, did you want to hit him or kick him or, I know, sorry, but well, did you want to lash out at him or? Um, I probably would have liked to, this is disgusting, but I think I would have liked to have spat at him just you filthy, evil man. Um, I know my husband would have liked to have got a grip on him, but just, and he was smug. He was, this, he was smug through the whole thing, which doesn't help <laughs> at all. Um, you should never, ever be in the same room, a, a victim's family and the offender uh, with anything. It, it is just... It's fraught with there's just so many emotions running. Oh, Yeah, I mean, it's a simple solution. Why? It is a simple solution. Why put people through that when they're on an emotional um, roller coaster and either on a high or an absolute depressed low? Um, it, it's, uh, isn't it just a bit of common sense, honestly, and a little bit of thought and care for people? You said something very poignant before where it's all about the offender, uh, the accused, rather than the victims. You don't get much of a say, do you? You don't get much of a look in, do you? No, not at all. No. No, But then tell tell us about that. Well, there's just, it's virtually nothing. There's just absolutely nothing except or the opportunity to put forward a victim impact statement. So that document is really precious. Um, There's not a lot offered in support of putting it together, but when we did ours, it was a a one double-sided sheet of paper and the questions related very open questions related to perhaps someone who had their wallet stolen right up to perhaps someone bashed and killed in a parkland. It was the same. So that in itself was a very loud mixed message of where they see victims, where where are victims placed in all of this. We're just all in the same box. One size does not fit all. And... um, that opportunity is all that we have. It's the only voice we have. So putting it together is really, uh, it's a stressful thing to do. It's reliving everything again as well. Um, but it, it's what counts. So we, my husband just wrote, I miss my son, Daniel. That was his in bold letters, um, Lisa put in. That's so sad. That is so sad. Lisa put in what she wrote for Daniel's funeral. Very, very gripping. I put together 
of the booklet, which is what I've referred to during our chat today, of all that Daniel had achieved because in the end there's one person that makes a decision about the outcome they, and they have no idea who Daniel is or who, who he was, what he did, what he could do, what his potential's lost, what we've lost, what our future is lost. Um, to make a decision in sentencing without taking account of the victim's impact is just not right. And it still happens even if people do the impact statement when judges don't allow the, the victims to read their impact statement out during court. So I, I, I didn't, I don't like to do things the same as everybody else. Daniel liked things. I'm, ga- I'm gathering that. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel was very much like that too, an absolute individual and would do things in a different way. Um, I told the police I wanted to put together a DVD and I think they thought it was going to be of the funeral for some reason. No, it'll be four minutes. It's the length of one song, four minutes of just photos and things like that. Um, And the booklet I put together was all the photos plus lots and lots of dialogue and Daniel's little um, excerpts in his schoolwork and certificates of his achievements and so on. And it was said, oh, I don't think so. Well, I'm doing it anyway. And who do I need to see? If it's rejected, I want to go and see who that person is. Um, I'm not going to let it go easily at all. So anyway, they were really good about it and said, all right, we've got, we've got permission for the judge to see it. I thought, well, that's better than nothing. They wouldn't allow me to show it in court but I do know the judge saw it because he referenced it during the sentencing. Um, But what absolutely knocked me out was they, it must have been the defence, I guess, showed that personal DVD to the offender without me knowing. Apparently they can just do that. Well, yet again, well, it's... That's not acceptable either that oh, they think they can just do that. That's very personal, private, um, you know, keeping in your heart safe stuff. And he then came into the courtroom with tears because they showed it to him just before he walked in and he had tears in his eyes. And I thought, oh, what a theatrical performance this will be. Mm. And disgusted later after it was over to know that they did that. So you never, you were never asked whether that could be shown to anyone else? No. They just felt it was uh, there for, you know, them to, well, I don't know, put on yep. Instagram or yep. put on Facebook or, oh, yeah. my goodness, oh, Margaret, that's offen- that is really, that's a, yeah. really offensive. It is. Yep. It's totally mm. disrespectful. I know. I was told I had to do three copies. Isn't that a blight on your pro? Isn't that a blight? Isn't that? Uh, I would have thought that was a privacy issue. Oh, as you in, think? well, uh, at the very least, surely. Right. Anyway, anyway, sorry. Yeah. Thing- oh, I'm get- I'm getting mad here, Margaret. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hide my emotions very well, well these days. No. Fair enough. Yeah, so that um, that was that, and off he went to to prison. And um, as I said, we were getting letters from the justice department telling us stuff about what he was doing in jail and this and that. I thought, oh, will you stop it? Like you cared exactly. Gee, honestly. There's just no thought process about any of it. And um, so that was all done and we had some respite, I guess, in our mind and in our hearts for a little while and we went on to the victim's register. 
so that and the reason for that was that when he would be eligible for parole we would be informed and we could put in a submission to say yes or no and why he shouldn't get parole well that didn't work at all um I was going to say, if they haven't listened to you before he was sentenced, I doubt that they would listen to you after. Well, exactly right. Um, I suppose we're just supposed to forget after six years or whatever. But we got the forms submitted. We had to do one each, not one as a family. And that was the case through the whole thing. We all had, we had a number and everything to do with this um, case, we were referred to as a number. Our names weren't mentioned either. And Daniel was only ever referred to as the deceased. There was never a mention of his name. His name is Daniel. His name is not the deceased. You know, a little bit of, I don't know how that would change things for anybody, just a bit, just a bit of respect, isn't it? For, yeah, for Daniel, yeah, yeah. A, a little bit of an acknowledgement that you know he was one of us yes. out in the community, yeah, a real person. Mm. Yep. But yeah, no, yeah. So there's all of those innuendos that come through that are also very upsetting. But with going back to this parole thing, we filled it all out and we had to give reason why. Well, we did and. Um, where we feel that he shouldn't be allowed to go when he's out. So Lisa was at school in Geelong. No, yes, Geelong, and also she started a job at VCAT, which was in um, King Street. So those two areas were put in, um, definitely not Werribee, not on the train because she was travelling on the train to Melbourne and to not be in Geelong because that's where all her friendship group were after being at school in Geelong. So none of that was taken on board. It was all totally disregarded. The end of the story is this man was let out two weeks earlier than what we were told he was going to be let out and it seems that he was out and about on days um prior to being released anyway. He was given release to go into Melbourne, which he probably had to do for his own, I don't know, preparation for getting a job or whatever. I don't deny anyone that, but on his own? How is that matching being in jail? Just have a free day out? And then he was released, as I said, two weeks prior to the date that we were given and I only found out about that because someone from the um, the Justice Department rang me to say, oh, we've just realised that he was released on this date. Um, just to let you know, sorry about that. Oh, that's interesting. Sorry about that. So you, you should be at the top of their oh, list. I said to him. So if he turns up and everything's done on a Friday, Narelle, any communication you get that needs a response is a Friday. You can't respond on a Friday. There's no one there. So here we are with the weekend coming up. It's a Friday afternoon. And I said to this lady, okay, so what do we do if he turns up in our driveway? She said, oh, that's not going to happen. And I said, you have no idea whether it will or not. Hypothetically, he could, or it be in our street. What are we supposed to do? The police don't respond to parole um, issues. If my husband went out there, he would be the next person in jail, and that's not fair. So, um, yeah, what are we supposed to do about all this? Well, what you'd have to do is write a letter. Oh, please. <laughs> And I think I just laughed at her. Write a letter and send it in to us and we'll we'll work something out. We'll give you some information. Oh, well, gee, thanks for nothing. Okay, then, no worries. Goodbye. When I spoke to someone the following week, someone else told them this outline, the lady said to me, well, 
you didn't put a grid in your submission. So what do you mean a grid? I read nothing about a grid when I went through it. And she said, well, you should have put a grid in to show us where you don't want him to be in Melbourne. Oh, what, you're supposed to know that yeah. about the grid? Yeah, 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 it's just supposed to know about that. And that was their reason for not accepting our submission. But the um, idea of him being released early was just, you know, pushed aside. Well, it, it happened. So I can understand further now how other victims of crime can um, be absolutely terrified of someone coming out of prison. And then in saying that, for us and any other road trauma family, when they come out of prison, your whole world changes again. Your emotions come up to the top again. You're wondering again, questioning again. Um, Just everything comes whack straight back in your face. So, And there's no support then either. So I have actually said multiple times to di- at different levels of this process, police, well, they do a great job, um, the Justice Department, the, the um, Victim Support Agency and so on, this has to be done in a longitudinal fashion because it changes. You've got the family from the start and all that's gone on to get where, you know, the person's in jail, then when they're out of jail, it continues. What are we supposed to do, fall off a cliff? You know, that's sort of how it's set up in my mind. It's what it looks like. There needs to be more offered and organised for families, for victims. It's just like, oh, yeah, okay, well, that's done now. You should be right and we'll... You should, you know, we hope you disappear. But, Margaret, isn't that what the uh, the Victims of Crime Commissioner, isn't that, he, well, I'm not sure what their role is, but wouldn't that be something that you could speak to them about or have you? I have, yes. The, the role of the commissioner is to gather information and listen and support victims through that process of, of, you know, listening and recording to advise, to take that information through as an advisor to those that it's related to. They don't have any power to change anything, but they have the power to um, advise Sorry, but advise who? Advise uh, the parliamentary committees or advise other victims who? who oh, well, I don't know the, much about them. The advising would be uh, the top of the tree, I would think, um, politicians, um, sentencing advisory, parole, uh, relevant ministers. Next week, Marg tells us about some interactions she had with a judge who made some comments that I find extremely offensive, as did Margaret. And Margaret didn't hold back with him either. Marg and her daughter, Lisa, have made a positive out of Daniel's death and don't want any family to experience the issues they did. So they began this um, organisation, I suppose, called Raw to Raw. That's R-A-W, the number two, and then Raw. R-O-A-R, where they help families through one of the darkest times they'll ever experience. And Marg and Lisa and their team all have lived experience so they understand how the other families are feeling. Talk to you next week. Hey, it's Narelle here again. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy the podcasts as much as we enjoy putting them together. But to make sure you never miss an episode of Narelle Fraser Interviews, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to leave a rating and even a review and please share it with all your friends too. And again, thanks for joining us. We have got some amazing stories to tell. So thanks again. See ya.
Hello, guess who? Just a quick interruption here to let you know you can now become a Narelle Fraser Interviews Patreon. How exciting! Simply go to www.patreon, that's P for Peter, A T R E O N for Narelle.com and search for Narelle Fraser Interviews. And to all of you out there who continue to support me, thank you so much. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.